Empire of the Sun. Suns. Empire of the Suns. Wet like on book. Wet like on book. Wet like on book. Arizona Sports presents the Empire of the Suns podcast. Empire of the Suns. There and welcome to the Empire of the Suns podcast. My name is Kellen Olson, joined as always by Kevin Zimmerman. Hey, Kev, how are you, bud? Good. Just uh, it's Friday, you know. It is Friday, you know. Um, days that end in Y for me, though, with Sun season. I gotta <laughs> say, I gotta be honest because there's a game on Sunday. They're probably going to practice on Saturday. I worked Monday through Friday already, so back in the grind. here we go. Back I'm in ready. the grind. I'm ready. I'm I'm good. I've had a lot of people. A lot of people who are who care about me, which is very nice to feel, just be like, "Are you ready? Are you are you good?" Just making sure that I'm in a correct mental state to do this again. Absolutely, I am. I love basketball. We, I was there for uh, the doubleheader, watched a Mercury playoff game that didn't go well for them, but the Aces no. played phenomenal, and it was fun to watch playoff basketball. Love love some hoop, Kev. We're ready to go. Let's run through some quick news items. I, the main conversation we're going to have and where this is going to curtail around is usually we will have an episode kind of dedicated to here's how we see the West unfolding, where the Suns fit into the picture. That's kind of more obvious this year than it was a couple of years ago when we were doing these types of discussions where we were like, could they make the eighth seed? How many Six, real good teams? Avoid the yeah, yeah avoid the play-in was like the conversation last year. Uh, now it's like, are they the best team in the West, which we will get to. We'll Throw in some of our hot takes league-wide, too. And then next week, uh, because we've only got... We were recording this on Friday, like Kevin said. We're 12 days away from the season opener. So next week, we will run through some of the main storylines, I think. Like uh, Landry Shamit has come up quite a bit. Um, Cam Johnson versus Jay Crowder, something I've seen a lot of people talk about. Dario's absence, um, the short layoff, all that kind of stuff we're going to get into kind of next week, looking at like the narratives and storylines around the team. But on this episode, we'll kind of just run through some news really quick of the latest, like we will next week probably too, and then kind of get to our NBA thoughts. So let's run through the news. (laughs) Yeah. I should have predicted last episode that we were going to get a DeAndre Ayton report. I feel stupid for not like thinking it was going to happen or even at least like proclaiming it on last week's episode. We'll quickly inform the uninformed DeAndre Ayton uh, after Sunday's loss to the Kings in their first preseason game. 7 a.m. on the dot, Woj releases a report on ESPN.com. The contracts talks have stalled between DeAndre Ayton and the Suns. The word owner slash ownership is used multiple times throughout the story. It indicates a unwillingness from Robert Sarver to give DeAndre Ayton a maximum contract, which is what uh, DeAndre has pretty much earned. And you can... Uh, is read between the lines. It's, it's more obvious than read between the lines, Kevin. Um, if you just kind of look at the story, look at the timing, look at everything that's going on, obviously this is just the next step of kind of negotiations, and they're just getting a bit more public now. We talked about last episode, is this going to become a distraction? It's going to become a discussion point. I don't know if it's going to become a distraction. I don't think it is going to be a distraction. I mean, we would have been in a very different place, I think, with how athletes, Ben Simmons, for example, operate now. It's if they really don't want to be there, they don't have to be there. DeAndre showed up to practice in shape, all that stuff, playing in preseason games, including the first one. I'm not 
concerned about him being like mentally there actually i mean unless you saw stuff and you were paying closer attention to the preseason game so far if you know something if you saw something there where he was just not mentally there and it was that super obvious even though it's the preseason again it would have to be super egregious and bad i I think we're fine i think that he will play regardless of his contract situation and play the same level and i think we discussed in the last podcast like this is not really going to be a story until the deadline and the only thing that's happened since then is obviously probably from his agent's side um they put out there to the media with Woj going it early in the morning. Looked like a scheduled story that, hey, this isn't done yet. He wants a max. Suns aren't offering max. Gambo tweeted today the contract negotiations have not stalled really. And that's just more of semantics of, okay, have, have you talked in the last like two hours, three days? I don't know, but it's going to ramp up. That's it's going to ramp up. That's all I got. Uh, I still think they're going to get a deal done with both guys. Uh, I don't know about Shamit. That's just the great unknown there, right? You just have to really have a better feel for how much those two sides see like a long-term picture together. Um, if I was someone like Shamit looking at a week for Asian class coming up, I would not want to I would He's going to be sign. the third guard, or, well, fourth. I guess Cam's going to be third. A more involved fourth guard than normal fourth guards is the way that I would put it. He's a backup. He's the... Second string shooting guard. Probably. If he has the type of year that we think he should at bare minimum, he will be one of the top 10 to 15 free agents available in next year's class. It's brutal. Ooh, didn't know that, but... Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's tough. Uh, so for him, I, I, I don't know, but with Bridges and Aiden, I mean, you've just got to pay DeAndre with the way that he played in the playoffs. I, I've talked about this on the radio shows this week, but as longtime listeners of the podcast will know, I value playoff performance a lot compared to just other things. And when DeAndre played like that, when it mattered the most, that's all I needed to see. Look, if he comes out this season and is making max money the next season, like he agrees to the contract extension and still has those couple of moments a game and still has a couple of games that we know what we're alluding to here, as long as it shows up in the important ones and in playoff games, that is fine to me. That is okay with me because he was a – he played like – I can't say the best center in the league because that's the problem with talking about the best players in the league right now is there's like nine or ten absolute super-duper stars in the league and Nikola Jokic and uh, Joel Embiid are two of them. But the guy right after him, he was playing like without a doubt the third best center in the league. That's how he was playing. Yeah. To me, I mean, I, I think I brought it up on this podcast, maybe somewhere else. I kind of view it like Rondo in his prime with the Celtics where – like, I never saw it because I wasn't watching the Celtics every day out here, but, like, Celtics fans would just talk about playoff Rondo and TNT Rondo, and look, that's... You, if you're that good and that important to a team, it doesn't matter what your pay is. I, I know that's not ideal, but if if you show up in the big moments, people are going to like you and you're going to be worth the money to me. We're not even going to touch on the qualifying offer stuff. That it, oh. That's not even like a galaxy brain situation where he's thinking with 500 IQ or whatever. That would just be immensely uh, not smart on. Don't a, do that. Don't do that. If I was an agent, which I'm not, I would not advise that. That's a veiled threat that I, I think you don't do that. I'm going to figure out a way to phrase this lightly, Kevin. Mm-hmm. But there are often times when... Everyone in a front office is smarter than me. I can say that out loud. That's fine. 
And, yes. be, and some people listening will disagree. I disagree with them. I think everyone in front of us. There are times, though, <laughs> in a league where certain things are happening, a trend is occurring, and everyone's looking at the Suns and being like, how can we be the Suns this year? It's like, well, you have to have Chris Paul. Mm-hmm. They're like, okay, we can get Kyle, Kyle Lowry's not Chris Paul. I'm sorry. It's not no. happening in New Orleans. And then you don't even get Kyle Lowry. What are you doing now? Devontae Graham's your starting point guard? Uh-oh. There are times where trends start to occur. And I think all of this conversation surrounding Zion and the chances of him taking the qualifying offer have made the qualifying offer this thing that exists now. No one has done it yet. He hasn't done it yet and until someone actually does it. By the way, Zion, of all people, taking the qualifying offer, that risk with his health history would be maddening to me. I understand disgruntled, all this stuff, but especially in this age of player empowerment, it would be insane. So that is my qualifying offer rant. I'm tired of hearing about it. I want to see it happen, and then we can start talking about it like it's a real thing. Like, I know Devin Booker was a max guy more solidly. It was obvious. You do it. But, like, at some point, yeah. Can you explain the qualifying offer real quick? We might yeah, not, we should do yeah, that. Yeah, we should just so it. Sorry, DeAndre McKell, yeah. once your rookie contract of four years is up, you have to be extended a qualifying offer that's based on your rookie salary amount, and that makes you a restrict, restricted free agent where you can match any other team's offer toward that player. So the Suns have to put out the $16.4 million qualifying offer if DA doesn't sign his extension and becomes a free agent. He'll be restricted. They can match anything, and they can actually offer more still because they have the bird rights and all that. Um, so that will allow them to basically, like, if a team offers in the max, they can just off the match. It's it's a lot easier for him because if he's max, he's max. Yes. Um, so... What the player can do and what has been threatened is DA could just take $16 million for one more year, and then he'd be an unrestricted free agent after next season. It immediately turns into, oh, crap, we need to trade this guy before he leaves. Right. But the problem is not only is he leaving what his salary in the max deal would start at like $28, $30 million, Yeah. He's not only leaving like $14 mil or whatever on the table. He's leaving, if he has a bad year in that qualifying offer year like well it's not even it's not even that kevin it's the suns as the team that he's on can offer him more money than any other team so he'd be turning down that money too right so he's basically giving up hundreds of millions of dollars let's pretend like jared allen got a hundred million dollar contract extension da's probably at minimum that let's say the bare minimum yeah then He's at risk of losing that if he has a bad year in his qualifying offer year. He injures himself. He gets stagnant with his progression. You realize he's something. So, I don't know, man. You don't you don't throw away a hundred million betting on yourself. Like what what more is betting on yourself? I'm sure there are more horror stories than we've seen. I understand these are younger players who have more to grow, more to develop, and all that kind of stuff. But we've seen Dennis Schroeder and Nerlens Noel throw away a lot of money in the past couple of years. It was like four eighty for for Schroeder, and he took what five million. He took the MLE mm-hmm. basically, uh, and then Nerlens gets the uh, the full MLE this year, but he turned down whatever it was like four sixty four eighty something like that uh, with extension talks like this as well. So dicey. Uh, you you got to see, you got to wait and see. I would like hundred million, and then if I'm unhappy, I will force a trade some way. And you take a hit not showing up to camp 
later. Anyway. Anyway, Kevin, let's roll through some of the quick hitters here. The Suns have played two preseason games. I, I don't really think we have to get that deep into it. We'll talk more about it next week when we have two more games completed. And that's where we can hit on what we've seen from the preseason. Encouraging to see Landry Shamit make a couple plays off the dribble, setting up his teammates. He should have had like five or six assists in the Lakers win. He only wound up with like three or four. But I posted the video of that, and then Mikel Bridges took 18 shots against the Lakers. And every time he caught the ball in the corner, it was like he was shot out of a cannon with how quickly he was attacking closeouts. That was great to see. Uh, Devin Booker is still, now it was on... Oh, my brain in the days. Uh, Tuesday or Wednesday, I'm going to say, because I'm not sure. I think it was Wednesday when Monty Williams said that he, it would have been Tuesday, actually, that Devin Booker is still a few days away uh, from having from them having a conversation about him playing. So he could play this Sunday, which is our next preseason game. It's in L.A. against the Lakers. We'll see. But if not, it sounds like he should be ready to just get that one game and get going. Me and you talked about concern levels last week out of zero. I'm still at a zero. He's back in practice now. Uh, he's not doing that much, but he is like getting full workouts in. He's been doing like full shooting workouts at practice from what I've seen the last couple of days. And then before the game on Wednesday, he was in his usual hour before the game starts slot and did like a more intensive kind of workout than he normally would to like work up a sweat and get going. So he's he's ramping up. Everything should be fine there. I think it's fine. You bring him along slowly like we talked about and even if it goes a few games into the season, you look, I think it's important that they kind of test out Landry, his role, playing with Cam, get them a lot of run together, save Chris and Book's legs, that kind of stuff. So I think they're they've earned the right to be in a spot where you slow roll lots of injuries, COVID, long or short, I guess, off season and long last season. So yeah, no concerns. I asked him kind of a quick hitter, three-second question where I was like, how are you feeling physically after Tokyo? And then he paused for about five seconds and then laughed. So I'm sure he was, more than he is willing to admit for sure, was feeling it a bit. The the not I don't want to say wear and tear because that's a scary word with tear in there. <laughs> no tear. Worn down. He was definitely physically worn down. There's no way anyone wouldn't be with that kind of just back and forth that he had to deal with the the longevity not the longevity the length of the season that he had going to Tokyo playing really intense games for them like they were at a point where it looked like they could potentially miss out and be for lack of a better word Kevin like a laughing stock like they had to really really go hard to make sure they got that gold medal like everyone expected them to they did everything turned out well there he spoke with the media when he came back confirmed that he has been fully vaccinated we didn't hit on that last episode but Book was on a Twitch stream later in the day when it was announced that he was in health and safety protocols, confirmed he had COVID, and then when the chat messages were coming up like, are you vaccinated, are you vaccinated, he decided to address it, but by addressing it, he didn't address it and said, I'm not going to say if I'm I'm vaccinated or not, just educate yourself. When we hear that more often than not, Kevin, we assume that means someone is not vaccinated. A lot of people read it that way, and then he actually said that, and this is where we get into misinformation and all that kind of stuff, and like, you can get COVID if you have the vaccine. And he was saying when people thought I got it, that meant people thought that I wasn't vaccinated. And oh, that's, I gotcha. That's still, that that was his interpretation yeah. of it. I was interpreting it like, I think you answered the vaccine question that way. People assumed you weren't vaccinated, which makes it a lot easier to get in. And that's where it came from. Either way, uh, Book said he's been vaccinated for quite a while with his family as well. 
And the big reason that this was a new subject and worth bringing up on this episode, which we won't bring up until someone sits out with health and safety protocols again, is that I wrote about this more on ArizonaSports.com, so go there if you don't want to hear us quickly skim through it and the details of it. Basically, this has basketball ramifications, Kevin, because when someone sits out with health and safety protocols, they don't even know if it's because of COVID. But if it's because of COVID, what were we asking with Chris Paul the whole time? Is he vaccinated or not? Because if he's vaccinated, he has a far less chance of having mild to severe symptoms that could affect him and have him him out for a couple of weeks we saw a couple of guys in the league kevin sit out like a month dario was out a while mm-hmm. so that's where you go through the vaccine and now that we know that every single player on the team is vaccinated whenever someone's out with health and safety protocols we can say okay they should be back within a week or two before we had to be like we don't know we have no idea yep and correct me if i'm wrong that's all the sun's players players so yeah that's positive and you know la new york san francisco i i I haven't seen an update on playing there as a visiting team still if there's anything changed there, but that that might be a thing. And so the Suns won't have to worry about that, obviously. And how about other mandates popping up, too? Right. It could start to happen, yeah. Yeah, Kyrie Irving hasn't even attended practice for the Nets, so that's... Isn't that wild? That's wild, yeah. 90 seconds, what would you do? Would you trade him or just, like, go through it? If he's like, I'm not getting vaccinated, it's not happening. You have to trade him for someone good. Don't you have to? Yeah. Your window is right now. You can't just... Can you imagine a playoff series? He plays two games, sits out two games? It's like a Ben Simmons thing. I haven't read the, the scuttle over there. I don't know if that would work. Whoa. That'd be fun. I hadn't even thought about that. You just blew my mind. Apparently, there's been no scuttle about that. But, like, that's only superstar who might be on the block no no other injury stuff to report as of now uh tonight friday night is their sun showcase some of you listening to this early enough will still be able to go down there free for all fans they're going to do a little bit of an open practice take a look around the arena if you haven't been there yet great little event we're going to and then i assume they'll practice tomorrow and then sunday so any other injury stuff nothing right now which is great to hear obviously all right kevin let's talk about the league and where the suns are at They are coming off of a trip to the NBA Finals, and like like it or not, this conversation kind of has to be joined at the hip by the conversation around the Suns nationally and just where they are at and where they are being forecasted. And Kevin, this is not just the media, because a GM survey came out saying, like, who were the favorites to get out of the Western Conference and stuff, and not a whole lot of people picked the Suns. I wrote a story on our site, like, two months ago where the ESPN panel kind of picked their guys and barely anyone picked the Suns to do much now and, and I wrote in there like get used to this that was my lead because I just you kind of expected this to come you expected them to not be looked at a flash in the pan necessarily type of thing but not be looked at as in my opinion they're the favorite in the West we'll get to that later um, but just be looked at as injury luck and, and all that kind of stuff that went with that and that has more or less been from the limited stuff that I've read, limited stuff that I've heard, they are right there with the Lakers and the Jazz looked at as the top three teams in the West kind of joined together to see who will separate. I think that the Suns are clearly a step ahead of those two teams right now, um, especially based on the rumblings out of Utah the last couple of weeks, which they're light rumblings, but it's like everyone is forecasting ahead to be like, yo, some stuff could go down, and whenever that happens, that's that's not good, Kevin. Uh, what is your, we'll just start here, what is your general opinion on where the team is at? Do you agree, disagree? Do you see them in more of like a three-team, four-team mix, or do you see them standing above the rest with, and, and it's not like I think they are absolutely without a doubt the best team in those conference. I just think they're a little bit better than those other teams. Uh, 
So the general consensus, I think people are very aware that they exist and yeah. people aren't even like disrespecting them in that way. Like the GM survey, they were still third, I believe, in, in the total points and how they did that. So I, I just think people are seeing the obvious picks for like finals and making the finals and coming out of the West um, as far as through the playoffs. And look, there, there's a reason the Lakers were banged up injured to hell and they were favored over the suns to begin that series even though the suns had that record and had proven all season long like that's just going to happen and i i kind of am making this connection in my head to like past spurs teams where even when you had like tim duncan tony parker manager nobly like i'd have to go back to be correct but they weren't necessarily getting all the hype they weren't necessarily probably projected to go all the way every time but they just kept hanging around and sometimes doing it and going there. Um, But these superstar teams always get the attention and change always matters. And um, I I think people are slow to say Chris Paul is still a star, which he has to prove again that he's not too old. DA has yet to be there um, as, as good as he played in the postseason. He needs to show that in the regular season, all this kind of stuff. So I think there's there are reasons why the Suns aren't just like an obvious, oh, yeah, they're going back to the finals. They're winning the West. Um, but I think that doesn't necessarily mean people are just writing them off, if that makes sense. I think everyone does have them in this pocket with Utah, maybe Denver. I, I The LA thing's its own conversation, if you want to have that, as far as how good that team can be, I think. We'll get there. Yeah. I'm going to break it down to three categories. And for the people who are like still hesitating on Chris Paul, um, take some time and reflect. Watch back. That's all I'm going to say. If you're looking at like what he did in the finals with four injuries, <laughs> torn ligaments in his right hand, left wrist that required surgery later in the offseason, just came back from COVID, the right shoulder wasn't 100% still. There's no way. Also, the funny thing is, like, I'm in this weird space where I think he's still really good, but also I think they're very functional without him. Yes. Which is the part of the, like, if you don't think Chris Paul's not that good, that's fine, but the Suns are still good with that. Like, they Can survived. you give me that Chris is a top 15 player in the league right now? No. You can't? I can't. Top 20? Probably. Ooh. You're, you're lower on this point, God, than I am. Okay. Interesting. I, I'm i just higher on book a lot, I think. Okay. That is part of my thing. So I'm, I'm going to move past that point, and it's going to play into my first point here, which is going to go. Looking at star power, top two guys, who's better than them in the, in the West? The Lakers. Top two? Yeah. The Lakers. Just top two. Top two. Warriors. If Clay's healthy, that's a big if. So not right now. Clippers, no, because Kawhi's going to be out. He's out. Jamal, we don't know. I could say, I think you can say Jazz. Really? Mm-hmm. Whoa. Donovan kind of cancels out book. Don't want to argue that right now. But yeah, I think Donovan is a little, Rudy, little more behind, but not like by a lot. I think Donovan right. is underrated right now. No, yeah. Yeah. Say they're even, whatever. You can debate. Sure. I think Rudy is still really important. Okay. And they have a good system. Yeah. After that, but 
okay, even if Warriors are, Lakers, sure. Nuggets, when is Jamal coming back? I don't even know. We don't know. So. Who has a better three through five than the Suns? Their next three best players after their two stars. So Lakers would be, who would you even say is three? Russ? Russ and then someone. They're not in the (laughs) discussion. You can't even start the conversation. The Nuggets have Michael Porter Jr. If Jamal, let's assume Jamal Murray is in the conversation. Then Mm -hmm. Aaron Gordon, Michael Porter Jr. And then Monte Morris or Will Barton. I don't know or Will Barton. I'll take the Suns there. Yeah, Clippers. I'm counting Jay Crowder in this fifth spot, by the way. But you can put Cam Johnson or Campaign in there, depending on who you want to put there. But I'm putting Jay Crowder there. I wrote a story on ArizonaSports.com, being like, "Yo, pay attention." Ooh, Dubs. Uh, Let's do Dubs. Draymond. Draymond. Good. Well. Probably. Is James White? Is Wiggins? Wiggins. Wiggins is now available. Okay. Andrew Wiggins is without a doubt the fourth best player when Clay is back. Does James Wiseman like get half to where he should be? I'm going to give him. Are you a Jordan Poole guy? Yeah, I kind of. Let's move on from the Warriors, Kevin. They're not in this discussion. You can't do it. (laughs) Who else? Three through five. Should we touch on Mavs? Do I bother with the Blazers? No, I think the Mavs. Blazers are, Mavs are just I, I think the Blazers are your sneaky best argument here. Oh. So you got Dame. CJ. Yeah. Who oh god, I don't even know their roster. You got, Let's you go got, to the You got Nurkic, Powell, and Covington. Nurkic is really, really good. I'm a big Nurkic guy. I think Powell had a pretty great year. I don't know if he earned that much money, but that's a whole other side of like Larry oh, Nance is. Are a we guy. just gonna pay these shooters like eighty to ninety million dollars? Is this what we're doing now? I think that's the thing we're doing now. But then it's, yeah, so then it's Covington or Nance, depending on who you think is fourth or fifth. And then it falls off a cliff quickly for their roster after six guys. But Okay, I'm moving on, Kevin. Continue, yeah. You've proved your point, sir. Who who has better depth than the Suns? Who has a top nine better than them? Denver's depth was not good last year, but I like to think of them as deep. But Okay, here here are the Denver guys. Let's go look. Here are the Denver guys. We are assuming fully healthy. Jokic, Jamal... Mm. Barton, MPJ, Aaron Gordon, the Greens, Jamichael and Jeff. Love I like that. that. Love like that. Campazo, Morris, Campazo and Monte. That's your top nine. Austin Rivers, if you want to get in there. And again, it went it went away very quickly. Yeah, went down very quickly. Utah, Mike Conley, Donovan Mitchell, Boyan, Royce O'Neal, Rudy Gobert. That's your five. Joe Ingles and Jordan Clarkson is 6-7, by the way, and like our 3-5, through five, I, I know teams will want to argue them. I'm, I'm not willing to indulge necessarily, but with Ingles, Clarkson, and Conley, like you can you can throw them into the conversation. I think DeAndre Ayton's great. I think Mikel Bridges is great. I think Jay Crowder slash Cameron Johnson slash campaign, whoever you want to put in there, I'd rather have those guys. Okay, uh, so there's your 6-7. Then you got Rudy Gay. Okay. And I don't know about nine, brother. There is some sneaky depth, though. I know this is like going way. Eric off. Pascal, Hassan Whiteside, dude, Jared Butler, one of those guys. Nine. Am I am I crazy here that the Pels and the Grizzlies? Okay, Grizzlies. Yeah, go top nine. Okay, we what's s- the problem? You got it. You got to go. I just jaw, I'm not talking depth. I'm Jaren, talking overall okay. nine together. Jaw, Jaren. Yep. If Jaren's healthy. That's two guys. They have pretty good depth. 
DeAnthony, Dylan Brooks. Four. Steven Adams. Five. Desmond Bain. Six. Culver. Eh. Eh. No. Brandon Clark. Okay. No. What? He had a bad year last year. Okay. Regressed. Tyus Jones? Sure. Seven. <laughs> Tillman. Okay. Eight. Okay. Wait, did I hit on... Who did I hit on? That is my first point, Kevin. Okay. Let's talk on those three points within a point to make my point. Yeah, you've made your point. No. The Suns. <laughs> Better. Point number two. Continuity. They are going to have a boost from continuity this year that other teams have been banking on, quite honestly. I think the Lakers are going to need to take eight weeks. I'll make my Lakers point in a bit, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put a bookmark here and save it for a couple of minutes later when we talk about them. Lakers are going to take some time. They're going to have to figure out some stuff and not just the rust thing. I'm talking about other things. That's a good teaser. Good job by me. <laughs> The Nuggets still got to figure it out with Jamal. What's going on? They're going to be behind. Yeah. Utah is the one team where it's like, okay, they could start like 30 and four. They also played game. out of their minds to start last year. They did. And at some point, I think that kind of when you have the same team and like continuity is great, but at some point it kind of gets spoiled and last year was supposed to be the, oh, we're going to fight against that narrative that like Rudy and Donovan don't get along, whatever, whatever, whatever. And then they just fall flat at some point. And so I'm curious how they rebound because that was like their, this is our year year. Yeah. So yeah, maybe it's for Utah. Maybe it's another year of Conley, you know, year three. Question mark. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Portland, maybe it's like the Norman Powell thing and they figured that out a bit more, but a full year with him. Maybe. Do they have we'll a see. power forward? But they're like they're not even in the conversation here in terms of what I'm talking about. We so. don't know if Chauncey's a good coach. Continuity. I think there's a clear, here are their se- top seven guys in minutes played last year. They're all back. And this is just a team that never had that kind of concept at all. They completely remade their team, essentially, when they moved out Ricky for Chris and Monty. I talked about continuity, continuity last year with him where it was like, okay, you're two with your team at least, right? And he was like, well, I mean... We changed point guard, so that completely changed everything. I was like, oh, yeah, fair point. Good. Point three, Kevin. I don't think people appreciate the Mr. Booker enough. I don't think they do. Yeah. I think he's a borderline top ten player in the league. I am aware of who yeah. nine and ten are in the, in the ten. I think he's right there. He's right there in the conversation. He, I think we ended, oh, do you want to go? No, go ahead. Go ahead. I think we ended the year seeing, oh, he can play good defense? Oh, it was plus defense? Oh, he carried the team to the NBA. Fi- I yeah. I'm. I think everyone was so very aware here in our Suns bubble that he was really good and still ascending. That people didn't appreciate him enough during the finals run. Which again, I think the Chris Paul thing made me realize that. Again, I don't want to take anything away from that dude because like everything he does, it's more than what he does on the court too. But like on the court, Devin Booker was that dude teams treated him like that dude and he still was producing against crazy defenses in the postseason making the adjustments all that stuff and playing defense appreciate that thank you very much i think the sun's community of onlookers ongoers onlookers whatever the word is people watching the suns us media staffers uh fans Everyone, I don't think we appreciated it enough. The run, 
Let me expand on that, Kevin, shall I? Yes, please. Game one of the Western Conference first round against the Los Angeles Lakers. He is playing in his first ever playoff game. He comes out. We're like, okay, Lakers, best defense in the league. They're going to have a game plan for him. He eradicates it immediately. 34-7-8, 13 of 26 from the field, plays 45 minutes, plays nearly a perfect game. Now, I know he has six turnovers, and you look at that and go, okay, and, and turnovers were the one thing on his playoff run where I'll give you that. He, he turned the ball over quite a bit. But all the top guys do. They turn it over a bunch. I'm just going to sail past that and just say, first ever playoff game against the league's best defense shreds it. Then they come out, they game plan for him a bit, and he has to adjust to that. It is his first playoff series. It's his first playoff series. The series is now tied 2-2 after he has three underwhelming performances. We're coming off of a game four where they get the win, but game three when LeBron did the, th- did the stuff and we were like, oh man, is this over? It looks like it could be over. Game five in Phoenix, we have seen LeBron James do this a million times, a million times. I talked about it a lot heading into it. I was like, this is the LeBron game where he just finds a way. He gives you 42, 14, and 11 and takes control of the series, wins it at home in six, and then we're not even talking about the series like it was close in the first place. The Lakers were always going to win it, whatever. Uh, no, it was Devin Booker instead. He had 37-5, and five, which that, that might have been the best game that he played in the postseason. If you think back on it, I know there are other performances I'm going to get to, and the yeah. amount of performances you're going through in your head when you say that, when I said that, isn't that interesting how there are so many to get through, which I will get to in a second, because I'm going to keep <laughs> going, Kevin. We're not just going over one series. Are you going? Oh, you're still going. 13 of 23 from the floor. He shot 57%. He only had one turnover in that game, by the way. So the turnovers cut down. I don't have to talk about game six. He scored 47. He eradicated them. Again, eradicates, dismantles them, <laughs> rips out their hearts in front of their fans, shuts it down, grabs 11 rebounds too, which is an overlying point here I'm going to get to in a second, that he was also rebounding the ball a lot because they needed it. They needed yeah. it in the playoffs, and he was doing it. Denver series, we can quickly kind of skim through this a little bit. Four-game series. I think the Suns were just a far better team. But with that said, Kevin, guess who realized it and just shot 8 of 12 from the field in game one and just did his own thing? Let everything come together on its own as a team. It was him. Is that like LeBron stuff? It's kind of like LeBron stuff. A little bit. Game two, cool. Game three, I mean 28, 6, and 4. 11 of 23 from the field, cool. Game four, in my head, that's the I wrote the headline, Chris Paul's masterpiece. He was absolutely unbelievable in that third or fourth quarter. Devin Booker had 34, 11, and 4, shot 11 of 25 from the field, was consistently scoring in that game. Chris had pockets where he flat-out dominated, and he was the story, but Book was awesome in that game. Uh Uh-oh, Kev. Someone got COVID. (laughs) Yeah, the Clippers don't have Kawhi, uh, but we have not seen them yet without Chris Paul, Kevin. We've seen like one fake game against the Spurs and then one actual other game. We haven't seen this. In the playoffs, in the Western Conference Finals? Bad timing. Who's going to give you a (laughs) triple-double on 52% shooting, Kevin? Who's going to give you 40, 13, and 11? In game one. Was it Devin Booker? It was Devin Booker, Kevin. He was phenomenal. He comes out in game two, gets off to a slower start. You expect him to come on in the second half, breaks his nose. That played a factor, but I want to give the Clippers defensive effort the shout-out more than anything. We talked about it extensively during that series. Listeners know he was awesome, or the Clippers' defensive effort was awesome. I think like Reggie Jackson was like one of the more underrated players in that series defensively. I thought he was great. And then obviously Beverly, Terrence Mann was awesome in that series too yeah. defensively. Like Paul George, obviously. I mean, those like top four guys perimeter wise defensively. Tyron Lue, 
the the master of the mid-series adjustments. He was all over him. Then you get through that series. I mean, he still gives you 25, 31, and 22 points in the last three games of the series. He does so with 9 of 11 free throw shooting in both Game 4 and Game 5, including Game 4 where he shot 36%. They win 84 to 80, but he just got to the line in very timely moments. He didn't even have an assist. He had five turnovers. He did not play well, but he was finding a way to still contribute enough for them to get a win. Game five, that looks like the coronation. It is not happening. They go back to L.A. Again, that was a Chris Paul show. He scored 22 points on 26 shots, but he was effective still. I really think that, especially defensively, he was just busting it he was all over the place defensively in that series when it wasn't going his way offensively he was finding a way to contribute let's move on to the NBA finals Kevin shall we let's keep Keep going going. keep going game one I thought that this was maybe the best game that he played in the series and I I don't again like I, I hesitate here to kind of like gloss over here. By the way, there was one point that I missed. I, I went too fast. Game two of the Lakers series, he shot 17 of 17 from the line. That was a loss, but he just got to the free throw line immensely in that game, and it helped them a ton. Okay, we're back. The finals. Shoots 10 of 10 from the line, which is what brought this up for me. 8 of 21 from the field. I mean, that's whatever. He had six assists, three turnovers. That was a the LeBron gene is starting to come off on him a bit where he can control the tempo and the pace of the game and pick spots to dominate, which is the Chris Paul gene. F with people. He did that in that game. And and there are box scores here that I'm going over that are impressive and I'm saying them out loud, but that game might have been the best game that he played. It's it's the triple. There's like four or five games that come up for me, but that's one. I think this is where he started to realize, like, I don't know how much Chris has got here, like this, Mm. all of this stuff together. And he really tried to turn it on. And then he did in game two, another win, 12 of 25 from the field, but he was 7 of 12 from 3. 31 points, 5 rebounds, 6 assists, only 3 turnovers. Game 3, we will come to learn later, Kevin. This is where some sort of hamstring issue occurred, which is why 3 of 14 from the shooting, 10 points comes up, and you're watching him, and you're watching him as a younger player. We're talking about on this podcast. He needs to be more aggressive. Why is he not picking, like, why is he not shooting there? Why is he not attacking there? Bum hamstring. Didn't play in the fourth. Right, Didn't play in the fourth. That's when he came out a bit early and people were like, that's weird. And I was like, ah, Monty just doesn't. It was doesn't also a blowout. Yeah, Monty just doesn't send him in blowouts when he doesn't have it going. It's fine. But people were right. There was something going on there. Next two games, Kevin, back-to-back 40 burgers. They don't matter because Chris Paul is just, he didn't really have much left at that point, And this team just didn't have enough left. Second chance points, all that kind of stuff is stacking on him. He scores 42 points in game four, Kevin, without hitting a three. He's 0 for 3 from three. He shoots 17 of 25 from the field. And eight of nine from the game. You'll remember that game. That was game four. That was the Aiton. That was the Giannis block on Aiton. It was one of those games right there. where they were right there the entire time, and it was solely because of him. He was out of his. That was one where the people around me, the national people in the sitting around me, were like, "Holy smokes, this kid is!" He just kept hitting shot after shot to keep them in. It. When did he get? It might have been the next game or the next game after that. When did he? At some point, they were like. All right, you guard Chris Middleton because he's killing us, and he yeah. did. It was somewhere in there. I can't say off the top of my head, but I'll, I'll give you that. There were flashes, sure. yeah. Two assists in that game, three assists in game five. Both those games, he's like, I just need to score. Like, I, yeah. we just need this. He gives them 40 on a 17 of 33 shooting, 52% from the, from the field in game five, and then game six, he's toast. Like, it's just he gave everything he could on a bum hamstring in two games and it was unreal. 
that was his first postseason ever, Kevin. That is why I went on that long thing. Look, if he's in his second or third or fourth postseason by then, like you expect that out of a top 15 player. 24 years old in his first postseason, he was absolutely unreal. You, you give him credit for trying to punch it in the moments when he knew Chris Paul couldn't give any more, when his team needed him to defend Chris Middleton. And like I know in the moment then, we were like, is he shooting too much? Is he trying to do too much? They're not running their offense. But also, you realize if you're what Monty, is their offense without Chris Paul? What is their offense? What? How can you tell Devin Booker not to try to win you series when he's your best player? So if you're like, maybe like fans are right, but you can't you can't look at that and say Devin like wasn't ready for the moment. Devin isn't in this tier. Devin wasn't you know. To me, I think when you look back, that's the interesting part because we were questioning whether the ball was moving enough, but there were also flashes there where it was just like, you watch it back, they've said it, you watch it back, the Bucks were just the better team. Giannis, you can't stop him. Like At some point, you, you can't say the Suns could have done a lot more. There were bigger talking points across that entire series for sure, but... This is the most underrated one that we didn't talk about enough. How many points do you think campaign scored the most in a game in the series? Off the top of your head. 13? 10. Yeah. He only got in double digits twice. Yeah. He, the Bucks just had a perfect game plan for him. But also Monty pulled back, right? Minutes? Monty pulled back on him as well. He played 25 in game three. That was when Devin was kind of out of it and they were trying to get him going. But 17, 10, he averaged 16 minutes a game in the series. And, yeah. And that's because Monty saw the way they were defending him. It was like, I, I got to just play Chris and Devin more. He he can't find his pockets of space that he normally does. Like They were very much forcing him into, okay, take an 18-footer. Go ahead. But once you get in like your little floater range or the one where you wrap it under the big, no, that's not happening. And these guys are long, are super duper long, and they know who you are. They know you like that little scoop. He, Lopez blocked that scoop layup, I think, like three or four times in the series. It just wasn't going to happen. The Clippers did not figure that out. But no, <laughs> that's what happens in the playoffs. When you when yeah. you unlock something that starts working well for you, that. That's a progression, though, right? Like right. now you're in the finals, like and he, now you're he, scouted. Yeah, 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 and they were ready for it. They were ready for it. Anyway, my was, soliloquy. Yeah, was it about how Devin Booker's good? He's a borderline top ten player in the league. I think he's a superstar, and I think that in my mind, Chris Paul is still a top fifteen player. So when you look at those two guys together as the head of the snake, and you look at you include Devin in the group of getting better, but looking at experience and the number of years in the league, like he's on his seventh now, I believe. DeAndre McKell and Cam Johnson are the guys that are going to improve the most. Those are your three, four, five guys. If you like Cam more than Jay, which I do not, and not as a slight to Cam at all, I just think Jay Crowder's the most underrated guy on the on the team by a mile. Uh, and then their depth and all that kind of stuff, Kevin, that I just mentioned over those 15, 20 minutes. I think they're the best team in the West, and I don't think people are uh, realizing it in the right way. And I, and that's what I tried to provide to everyone just now. And that is why when the Russ move happened, I tweeted out, I, okay, I feel good about them being the best team in the West. I'm not even worried about the league. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm worried about the Nuggets because I think the Nuggets are still better than what they showed even without Jamal. Yeah. I'm worried still like I think the Jazz should be decent to pretty good. Let's just let let's trade uh, let's yeah. trade a couple here. Let's just quick fire kind of go through a couple of teams. Let's start let's, with the Lakers. You want to start with the Lakers? Here's my thing that I have been pitching to people for a couple of days now and talking to people at games about. I'm half joking when I say this. I think this might have been what they were actually doing. 
they've got three guys, Kevin. Russell Westbrook, Anthony Davis, and LeBron James, who are all extremely good at basketball. Russ is going to figure out a way to be effective. LeBron James will figure it out. If he does not figure it out, it'll happen. I believe what they have done, Kevin, is basically said, okay, we are going to grab these 11 to 13 other dudes, and we are going to find five rotation players somewhere. Because if Malik Monk sucks, Hmm. Kendrick Nunn won't. If Wayne Ellington sucks, Trevor Ariza won't. He just got hurt. Not great. If Rajon Rondo sucks, Taylor Horton Tucker won't. I'm looking at a... If DeAndre Jordan sucks, Dwight Howard won't. If Carmelo Anthony sucks, Wayne Ellington won't. I ran out of names. They even have the two-way situation. Like if Joel Ayayi sucks, maybe Austin Reeves doesn't. They already converted Reeves Hive, by the way, uh, to a to a regular contract. That is my theory on what's going on, Kevin. Other than that, I have no idea because I do not know how you pick out the next best four to five players on that team, and that is going beyond my first point on them, which I talked about a lot in the, a couple months ago, so I won't go over it again, but just Frank Vogel teams defend. How is this team going to defend? Is this going to be a top 10 defense in the league? It's certainly not going to be top so five. It's so weird because they didn't even fix their issues from last year, which they had good defenders like from a team standpoint, and I can't speak to how much I know Kendrick Nunn following a, a game plan in the playoffs. I'm assuming he's pretty good. Wayne Ellington, I'd... When I don't even know where I last saw him play basketball. Like, Trevor Ariza and Carmelo Anthony on this depth chart you have provided me are their power forward, like, depth. I don't trust that. I I just don't understand this roster from any standpoint. It makes no sense to me. Like, is Mac McClung... <laughs> I don't even know what kind of contract he's on. Is he going to be... Needed to shoot because he can shoot or something like he's he's in the, he's the third guy in the Ayayi Reeves group. Oh man, Kevin! In the last three seasons, looking at season to season, so you got three seasons to go with. What's the most amount of games Anthony Davis played in one season? No idea. Sixty. Sixty-two. Oh, the other two numbers: thirty-six and fifty-six. How confident are you that he is going to play the five the entire season, which is how you unlock the Westbrook thing? And that he is yeah. going to stay healthy while doing so. Why are we assuming this is a thing that is going they to They literally have two bodies behind Anthony Davis also who are just pure centers in DeAndre Jordan and Dwight Howard. And, so and now like, you're back to spacing nightmare. And it's So a, it's like, why do you have them if Anthony Davis has to play the... F- Anthony Davis has to play the five for them. He has to remain healthy and he has to be one of the three to six best players in the league like he can be. And even if he if and the, LeBron are healthy, and Russ even... They still need to find guys four through eight, which I don't know if they can. I don't know. They're going to need to get a buyout guy at least maybe two. And maybe they will. Maybe it, eh, they probably will. They're the Lakers. That, that t- tends to happen for them. Yeah. Guys what? fall out of trees. It's funny when they don't fall out of trees and they're like, oh, God, what, Russell Westbrook. I anyway, guess, I, I think they will find – I think they're too smart at least to not find some success, but it's going to be clunky. Clunky is my word for them. Who has a better chance of making the West Conference Finals, the Jazz or the Nuggets? I would still go Jazz. I don't like the whispers. I really don't like them. Tell us, what whispers are you hearing? 
Um, it's mainly been stuff Zach Lowe has been. I I, I don't want to say reporting. That's the right, right way to say it. But he has been. He wrote a he wrote a piece. Yeah, he wrote a piece that was like. Some if things start to go south, it could go downhill very quickly. Yeah, there's new ownership stuff going on. There's the Donovan Mitchell thing when he was held out. There's a couple of different things. Yeah. A couple of different things happening. Distrust. I'm going to go with the Nuggets. I think the Nuggets rock. I think they're okay. going to figure it out. I think it's going to snap right back into place when Jamal comes back. It is entirely... If MPJ is healthy, geez. Yes. Uh, if they remain healthy, I loved... You, you hesitated at the Greens. Didn't no, you? I didn't. Or no, you, you, were, I, you, were, I, you were the other I way. probably just, hmm. Yes, yeah. I, I love the greens. Love the greens. I think Jeff Green's really underrated. I think that he's really, absolutely, the Vince Carter role changed for him. It's not even that like his like importance on the team changed. It's that he had to change how he is a role player, which is really underrated how easily that he did that. Yeah. And it's like, I'm stretch five playmaking, switch man. Yeah. This is me. There's I like, can still dunk. There's like four like, of me in the league, and I'm one of them. Here I am. Um, ball handler too like he can handle the ball as a playmaking five it's it's great rebounding of course but like i mean again there's like three or four of him in the league jamichael green's there too they just have a front-loaded front roster with front court players and the back court's like questionable i was i was impressed by campazo in the playoffs to the extent of like they needed stuff from him and they yeah. got it but you can't have him like be the starting point guard obviously but if he's like oh yeah playing with monte at times sure i like it ish smith role for him in like uh, just like Change up, knows where to be, reliable dude. It's the Aaron Gordon question, basically, is what it comes down to. If yeah. they're healthy, if they get the Aaron Gordon they had in that eight-game sample size, or like 95% of it, 90% of it. I want them to run Aaron Gordon at point. Just run Aaron Gordon at point, if you have to, and go extremely big. Do oh. some weird stuff. Jokic has gotten a lot of recognition him as point. being like the MVP, rightfully so, but I think... It, there's a chance that we're starting to fade again and it's like is he like the sixth best player in the league kind of discussion and people are not even mentioning him when they talk about the three best players in the league anymore and it's like a dude it's just the mvp yeah just happened now we got shut down by da but i mean i don't buy much into that i thought da was no. just awesome on him and and again they were they were grunt i talked about this a lot on our pod the last like six weeks of the season when they didn't have murray they were grinding for wins like they were grinding they were playing really hard yeah i think they just wore down i think they're going to be great Okay. Dubs? Do you, this is what I'm, oh. So this is what I'm going to go on. I think the discussion point that we've heard enough in other places that I don't think we need to have it here is who has the most like upside of like a finals, a dark horse finals run of like all these teams. Uh, Lowe's talked about Dallas. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of people are talking about the Warriors. Like, do you want to throw the Clippers in there? I I, mm-hmm. I don't know how to phrase the conversation differently, but who are you? confident enough is going to be like that rock solid like when we're talking about a four or five matchup of those so you've got one of those teams has to finish fourth in the west by the way which is crazy denver it's probably going to be denver because they're going to be without jamal for long but utah lakers suns maybe the lakers it takes too long to figure it out yeah. one of those teams has to be the four seed and is going to match up with a really really good five seed and maybe one of those teams in the top four is actually fifth who do you think is that five seed that's scary Warriors, Mavericks, I, Clippers. I mean, if you want I to throw like Portland in gri- here, you can. I like Grizzlies and Warriors, dude. Whoa. You, you're you're ready? You're ready to go there with the Grizz? <sighs> I need to you look at their ready? health situation with Jaron and all that stuff. Yeah. But I think that, yeah, they were the two playing seeds that played each other, right? And I just think the Warriors, like, you don't think of them as having continuity, but if Clay and Steph and Draymond are there and ready to go... 
I think you look at like they figured out defense. They figured out defense toward the end of last year. Yeah. Um, Wiseman's a huge. Who knows? Is I don't even know what did he have. But regardless, I, I think they can survive without him. And then like Otto Porter Jr. Kuminga actually I think is gonna play and might be good. And I was like I was excited if Andrew Wiggins wasn't gonna play just to see him because I think he's gonna be like that toolsy guy even as young as he is, that they could try to get some run. But I I love their roster. Yeah. I I love the Grizzlies roster. Just lots of dudes who know how to play. Let's go to Golden State for a sec. Yeah. Um, This is like the the scenario I think you're kind of getting to. It's like Draymond is Draymond for the most part. Steph is Steph. Clay is as much of Clay as he can be. But then Jordan Poole builds off of what was not just like a I'm the guy that they absolutely need and no one else is doing stuff. It kind of was that, but at the same time he was playing really well and like, Showed like I can be a rotation player next year. I buy it. I buy it for sure. Wiggins, I, I think you buy him as like the fourth or fifth guy on a championship team, and that's what he would be on, on, on in this group, right? So okay, you can get there. The center rotation, I don't know. I think they're just gonna have to go small a lot. Yeah, and like Looney is technically going small in my I opinion have already. Bielitsa's on that, so you go Draymond Bielitsa at the four. I like that. I think the essential conversation here is you need to look at like i'll throw Mulder and chioza and, and gary payton the second still <laughs> finding a way come on gp2 i believe please in you. the question is <laughs> i'll read all the names michael Mulder, chris chioza gary payton two jordan pool damian lee moses moody avery bradley Otto porter jonathan kaminga andre iguodala namanja bielisa juan toscano anderson certainly there are three good rotation players in that group right there's got to be yeah Otto Porter is like the obvious pick. I think Andre Gudala is by game 70 of yeah. the season. I've always liked Damian Lee's game. And then if one of the two rookies pops or if Avery Bradley is actually healthy, like, okay, now you're looking at a team that's eight or nine guys. And I think that's the that's where all the optimism comes from from people who I believe in uh, and who believe in them to that extent. Do you remember how good Steph Curry was last year? Like, Yeah. He was, they, he was quite insane. With that team. Yeah. I don't know. I think, and this is to go back to the conversation I had with the Suns and the point I made, I meant to make there that I'll make here. Uh, like we're like, oh, three of these six guys. The way that people talk about like Jalen Smith for this team is like, oh, maybe Jalen Smith is something. There's a oh, maybe so and so is something for like all of these teams, but it's in like the seven, eight, nine spot, which is where we can talk about them now because we're in like the four, five, six, seven range of of this, and that is where you go to Memphis, Kevin and. You've got your you've got Jaw. He's a star. I think Jaw. We got away from it a bit. There was a lot of hype from him, but like now that the off season's been here and he hasn't been in our sights for a bit, I think you forget that he was quickly like, is Jaw just going to be like a nine time All Star now and like he's just going to this is it for him and he's just going to be awesome, uh, which it looks that way. Dylan Brooks was kind of doing stuff in the playoffs. Kevin looked very ready for that moment. And then Kyle Anderson, rock solid. Jaron Jackson is the big one that you mentioned. Then Steven Adams, rock solid. D'Anthony Melton, sixth man of the year, contender, absolutely. Xavier Tillman, solid. Desmond Bain, solid. Tyus Jones, solid. Like they've just got nine guys, Kevin. Yeah. And that's and and that's what you're saying is there's these variables. Porzingis playing the four. <laughs> you're like you're like Jason Kidd coaching that team. You're I have like, no idea. Ah. Yeah. Eh. You got Taylor Jenkins, rock solid. Like they're just yes. a rock solid. Like they will be five, six, or seven. I know what to expect out of them. Dallas, I, I have no idea, man. There could be big upside there, or Jason Kidd could tear everything apart. I have no idea. 
so after that we've got Portland, which I ever we same conversation yeah. with Portland the yeah. same four years we can kind of move on. Do you want to entertain any of the other teams being worth talking about in terms of like they could get in the plane and make some stuff happen? <sighs> the Kings, I love all the players on the Kings, but it's the Kings. I don't know who is the most underrated player in the league, but the two that are are De'Aaron Fox and uh, Carl Anthony Towns. I think that one of them is going to have an all-NBA season, and I think that one of them is going to have their team be that group. Now, are they going to go to like the, the nine seed and then fall in the, in the game? Maybe. Or, or are they going to advance and then kind of do a better version of what the Grizzlies did, which was like seriously push the Jazz yeah. um, in four or five games, whatever it was. Um, but I think that one of those two guys is going to make a star leap, be in the top 15 conversation, be an all-NBA player. Do you player. think – I think Pels should be in that convo where it's – Kings, so, Pels, just like who do let's you throw think? Zion in there. Three of those guys, those three guys. Yeah, yeah. and That's Carl. Fair. Yeah, which of those three teams do you think is most likely to? What is it? Just challenge for a playing spot or something? Can I pretend the Kings aren't the Kings and they're like the Thunder or something yeah, with that roster? Yeah, yeah. I think that's where I can get to it. But yeah. they're the Kings, so I just worry because they're the Kings. That's not fair, of course. But like, does Willie Green? If Zion stays healthy and they figure that out. I don't know about the rest of the roster, but they have talent, and obviously last year is underwhelming as they were. They're still right there. Who's better, Devontae Graham, Kyra Lewis, or Tomas Sadoransky? Is the right answer Sadoransky? The right answer is saying someone decisively, Kevin. <laughs> they need a point guard. <laughs> Nikhil? Yeah, Garrett like, Temple? Yeah, just one of those guys I like. Need a point card, Kev. I'm worried. Yeah, okay. Even if Zion's point Zion, you need a point card. Yeah. Worried. Uh, Willie Green's going to make them a solid defensive team, though. That's I think that that's the thing that yeah. I saw uh, Lowe writing about it in his tears and was like the defensive question mark, and I was like, yes, that's that's Willie Green. Like, Willie Green yeah. did their defense last year, did the defense the year before that, which was we talked about. Like, they're doing stuff. They know how they to do things. They don't mess. They don't just yeah. explode. Their heads don't explode as someone blows by all of them. All right, let's just go rapid fire five minutes on the on the East, which uh, people care less about because it's not the Suns division. So we'll kind of quickly roll through it. Um, gosh, Brooklyn or Milwaukee? Let's assume Kyrie stays unvaccinated. Still Brooklyn. Wow. Yeah, I think so, man. I agree. I think I don't so. Know. Am I crazy to think that? But yeah. Okay. The one talking point here that. I alluded to Nick Claxton's stance. Stay strong. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We got this. He can overcome LaMarcus Aldridge, Blake Griffin, Dayron Sharp, and Paul Millsap, oh. and James Johnson as a small ball five. He can do it. And Kevin Durant minutes. He can get on the floor. Suns fans are going to be Come so on, sad Nick. if Dayron Sharp turns out to be something. I, I, I liked him. We talked about him. I yeah. liked him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mentioned all those guys, Kevin. Like, they're, the trouble is they're best going small. Obviously, mm-hmm. but even if you're playing two bigs, like I, I don't know, I kind of, I don't mind playing Millsap as a four, James Johnson as a four, Blake as a four, Claxton as a four with his switchability and and just the amount of ball, um, on ball stuff that you've got there. They got options. <clears throat> and then you got like, Patty Mills move. Oh my gosh, incredible! I love that. But then the next like three guys in on a perimeter basis, Joe Harris starting, Harden, Kyrie, but beyond Patty after that. So you're talking about the fourth guard, the fourth wing, those types of people. It's where we get to Bruce Brown. And again, Bruce Brown, small ball, five minutes, Kevin. Nick, save Nick Claxton. Oh, my Dude, goodness. I, I like their roster. That's what I'm, this is what I'm yeah. saying. So you got DeAndre Bembry, 
who I think still has a little yeah. there's a little bit of something there. Cam Thomas, Cam is, Thomas. A, is a score out of Straight. LSU that everyone, a lot of people really, really like. I think KOC Straight was super shooters. Javon Carter, our old friend. Straight shooters. Yeah. At the very least, he's going to go out there, do bulldog things. Uh, Suns fans watched him, especially during that 33-win year. He can swing games. See, this roster makes sense. Yes. This is like the same as the Lakers, obviously, with star, 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 but they're in their prime, and also all of the role players make sense and can shoot or defend or both. Yeah. They can do anything they want, like as far as roster composition on the court stuff. This is not a shot okay. at the Milwaukee Bucks, Kevin. Okay. I still think that they are the second best team in the East. Yeah. But my goodness me, who is their second best wing? So, the guards. Drew. Connaughton. Hold, hold on, Connaughton. Drew. Okay. DiVincenzo. George Hill. Three guys. Great. Grayson Allen, fourth guy. Sure. They've got Chris Milton, who's a really, really good one wing, Kev. After that, Connaughton. He was decent. He wasn't as bad. Do you know the Knicks name I'm going to say? Do you even know who it is? I think. Without looking. Oh, well, I looked. Oh. Rodney you... Hood. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Semi Ojale? Thanasis? Yeah. Sandro Mama Kalashvili? <laughs> Sandro Hive? Stay strong. We got this. Uh, I'm worried about that a bit. I, I, I don't want to say like they're a Chris injury away because you can do that with any team in the league. So I'm not going to say that. But looking at their second unit specifically, I think they're going to have to do a lot of staggering, which they'll do. They'll make sure like almost, if they can afford it with inj- with uh, minutes and stuff. Like if Middleton and, and Holiday and Giannis, you can keep two of those guys on the floor most of the time, or absolutely at least one of them, you're fine. You've got Bobby Portis as like the leader of the second unit and stuff. But I'm kind of worried about that group behind there. Um, they're missing a Tory Craig guy, which we said in the finals too. Yeah, they're on. They were healthy, and that was the other thing where, like, they're kind of in that Nuggets space where you lose a couple of your guys, and suddenly your depth just looks bad. This is the rapid fire part. I promise. Who is the okay. Who is the team you like in the most after that? So there's four teams: Atlanta, Miami, the Sixers, and the Knicks. Who is like the third best team in the East? I think it's Atlanta. I think everyone's sleeping. Oh uh, yeah, I don't want to touch the Sixers right now. I, I trust in Atlanta. I like I like that stuff. Atlanta's got a really fun thing going where they have DeLon Wright and, uh, oh my gosh, I cannot remember and I don't have the dev chart in front of me. Uno segundo, everyone. I can look. I can Gorgie look. Jang. They have Gorgie Jang and DeLon Wright as their point guard backup center. And if those guys are, aren't working out or if there's good stuff happening, by good stuff, I mean it's Sharif Cooper time or it's year two on Yeko Kongwu. And then if you look at their wing and guard situation outside of that, three Deon- deep everywhere. DeAndre Hunter, Cam Reddish, Solomon Hill, John Collins, Danilo Gallinari, Jalen Johnson could be is something. On their TLC team? is in there. Kevin Herter is in there. Boyan's or Bogdan's in there. Lou Williams is in there. I have no idea about Jalen Johnson, but he's like third power forward on the depth chart, and people were like, "Oh, that was good value." A lot of smart people like him. They got yeah. That roster's loaded. Okay, continue the group after that. Since we agreed so quickly, yeah. sorry Knicks fans listening, sorry Gibby, oh. it'll be fine. You'll you'll be fine. Tibbs will figure it out. I think. They'll get a superstar someday. I think the the fun discussion with the East, where we'll close, is: Are you high enough on the Raptors? I'm probably not. The Celtics, by the way, are in the are in that group. By the way, we forgot to mention them, but I'm not. They're in like the Knicks Sixers without Simmons do. kind yeah. of thing. That's fine. Are you high enough on? 
the Bulls, the Raptors, the Hornets, which are becoming a popular pick, the Wizards. Like, is Bradley Beal a top 10 player in the league? Like, show us, buddy. Now, now is the time to do it, yeah. friend. I don't think so. Not his fault either, but... But it's it's a roster where it's like, okay, you're the number one dude. Let's go. Dinwiddie's with you. You got another ball handler who can do stuff. Let's go. The Cavs. Fun. I played as 2K with the Cavs. <laughs> They're very fun. Mildly interesting. Not right now. Are you buying any of those teams like jumping significantly to the point where they're in that discussion in the three to six? I would range? have to pick. Wait, should I? Oh, this is the tough thing about Carlisle and Indy. Indiana's in there as well. Good call. I, I skimmed over them. I I don't want to disrespect I'll give you the Indiana them. starters. Uh, when healthy, Oof. when yeah. healthy. Oh, Brogdon, Levert, Warren, uh, Sabonis, Turner. But then you got Tory Craig, Justin Holiday, Jeremy Lamb, Duarte, our friend TJ McConnell, who got got some money. Round of applause, Kevin, for TJ. I love, yeah. Come on. Uh, Goga. Uh, who knows? This Isaiah is my Jackson. traditional Carlisle's going to get more out of that roster than you think. Yes. And then the other one I would say out of, uh, I like the Hornets. I think Borrego stock is popping. Sure. We like Borrego on this podcast. Yes, we do. Indiana's my pick. If they are relatively healthy, I, yeah. I, I have to do an if, but I will say relatively. So if TJ Warren and Karis LeVert recover the way that they are supposed to from the ailments they currently have, I think they're a top four or five seed. Uh, Sabonis, Sabonis all-NBA kind of caliber talent, in my opinion. Miles Turner is really good. Malcolm Brogdon's really good. TJ's really good. Jeremy Lamb, solid. Duarte could be something right away. Justin Holiday solid. Torrey Craig, solid. That's a, that's a Carlisle team, too. Yeah. The name's there? That's yeah. That's Carlisle team. It's a good call by us. We're we're doing this. <laughs> we're rolling. We're doing things. Any sock your mind at the bottom there of, of either team? Like, are you going to be like, are the Spurs actually going to be like in the playing discussion? Or on the other side, like, are the Magic actually like once Fultz and Isaac come back from their thingies? And, no. No? No Isaac. No Thunderhive? No. They oh. were like 540 games through or whatever. They were doing it. <sighs> briefly. Don't want to. Spurs? I have no idea. I'm are you a Killian Hayes guy, Kev? No, I was too. Not years really. Ago. I don't know if I am anymore. No. I watched. They are Luka the classic. Garza. They are the classic super fun league pass. Like check in on them and then realize, oh yeah, they still kind of stink, and then switch to another game. Oh. But you're you're there to go check in on your friend Sadiq Bay. Oh yeah, you're there Poor to guy. go see Isaiah Stewart, one of the more underrated guys from that yeah. draft class already, who's really going to be like a could be a really good player. Um, you're there to be like, oh, there's Josh, just. Just running. There he goes. Just driving through the lane. Don't know what's going to happen. Uh, there's Kate Cunningham, the number one overall pick. And then you go watch like Bulls, Celtics or something better. That was fun, buddy. I like when we do that every year. Did you have fun? Yeah. Do you think the Bulls will not be embarrassing? Sorry. I think that has a chance of going very, very right or very, very wrong. And, uh-huh. and your answer depends on... They're wacky and fun. I want your to watch. answer. It's a Billy Donovan answer. Do you think Billy Donovan's a really good coach? No idea. I don't know. I don't think he's that terrible. But I don't think he's bad. I don't know if he's great. Like yeah. if he's top ten coach in the league, top five. I don't. Not top five. So five to ten, six to ten range. I don't know. Here's where we point out that we didn't really talk about the Heat, but Eric Bolstra's the coach. So they were in the. It, it was very. Uh, I was very curious reading Lowe's post, and he was basically saying. All the Heat want to do is avoid Brooklyn or Milwaukee until the second round, and they just don't want to be in the play-in. 
So it yeah, sounds just, like, and then you beat the heck out of a, a team that maybe has an injury or two, and then suddenly you're, yeah. I didn't sell my Tyler Hero stock, Kev. It's still here. Okay, it's waiting. Hey, guess who's going to win the championship? The Nets. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Oh, yeah. Uh, if if things get solved, dude, are they still your pick? If Kyrie doesn't, if Kyrie, if Harden and Durant are healthy, I think they can still do it. Yeah. If Ky- that team is really good. Suns are two leaps away. Yeah. If honestly, it's, if though, it's two leaps by the same guy, DeAndre is the honestly, third best though, center in the if, league. Would you rather be the Suns in the West with whatever you say is at the top there? Or would you rather be the Suns having to go through the East where it's so top-heavy that it's those two teams plus the Heat who could beat the crap out of you and the Celtics, who knows, but they might be good. Like, I, being in the West is actually suddenly kind of good because, like... Which he, one doesn't have Giannis again? Yeah. That one last year made that was me, crazy man I, I still think like the west is tougher as a whole obviously like 10 11 deep rockets were even fun last night on in the preseason game that was on espn but man they're, they're i don't want to go in the yeah. playoffs into the east because there's two teams and maybe f- four that you just do not want to play you could realistically like have to beat like the heat hawks and bucks to get to the finals or something or the knicks like in that first round like that's yeah. that's brutal East, I think, is six, six, like, oh, I love six or eight teams, but the West is like 10, 11, yeah. The the reason I phrased the conversation a certain way with that, like, five to seven, eight group of the West was also mm-hmm. because, like, I'm not super high on any of those teams, and I think, like, every, I really don't see the chances of any of those four teams losing their first round playoff series. I think there's mm-hmm. a discernible difference between the top four in the West and the next yes. couple. It would take Luka being clear out MVP and, like, he's the best player in the league now, it's his league now. It would take fully healthy Clay. It would take Paul George as the top five player in the league now. And like Luke Kennard is doing things. And <laughs> Terrence Mann took a leap. And Reggie Jackson's even better. Like it would take a lot. And, and yeah. Eric Bledsoe's back. Oh, forgot. Who, for, who could have? Who could have? Yeah, it's that was a good discussion to have to talk about kind of the hi- hierarchy. But yeah. yeah, it's our longest episode in a while, but it usually is this one. This I one, usually yes. love talking about the league because we don't get to enough in this kind we've of just, uh, conversation. We've just gone all over. It's fine. So. Yeah, we're cool. It's Friday. We're cool. All right, man. That we'll helped be back. me. That we'll helped me get ready. It did? Yeah. That's cool. I haven't thought about it. That's why yeah. it sounded like I was thinking so much, which is <laughs> no, you, you unusual fine. for me. I liked it. I thought we hit on a lot of places. We bought stock where we needed to. So like when Memphis is like a five or a six seed, we can be like, see? Yeah, Memphis. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the league, and to this point, for that conversation going on that long, the league is in a really great spot where you talk about parity at the very top and, like, in the middle top where we're talking about, like, the like teams three through seven, teams, like, eight through 20, yeah. which we were alluding to, like, with the Memphis line. It's like, there's a lot there. It's a really great place. Who's, gonna be, who's just, like, right a bad, boring team? The Magic? The Thunder. Yeah, I like Shea, though. I, it's the magic, I guess. But like the Rockets are going to be like you're tuning in to see the Jalen Green 40 point game oh, that's yeah. coming this year. You're tuning in to see like the Josh Christopher 35. Kevin Porter and Jalen Green on the court at the same time. Christian Wood. Like they're going to be I, fun. Yeah. I mean, you're. you're, you're Alperin Shengun. How do you say his first name? I, I know it's Shengun. I don't know about the first one, but I Sorry. mean, you'll be watching for Daniel House as always. We get it, Kevin. <laughs> Stop talking about him. New Year, same me. Oh. 
All right, we'll be back next week. Thanks so much for listening to this point, if you are. Genuinely wow. appreciate it because we were just uh, geeking out about basketball for, again, if you didn't believe me at the top when I said I love basketball, holy crap, I hope you believe me now. I didn't know that about you before this podcast. <laughs> we're learning new things together. Uh, we will not learn new things next week, probably, because we're going to be talking about the same talking points that have been revolving around the scene for the past month, but uh, we got to hit on them because the season is a coming. 12 days away Boy, we are are we are we excited for it. When you stop talking so good, you better stop the podcast, Kellen. So we're going to do that right now. Have a good one, everyone. See ya.